Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Um, what I'd love to do this morning is uh, for us to look together at Ephesians 4 and more. And uh, as you know, if you've been coming along for the last uh, year or so, or particularly in this last year, we've been looking very much about who we are. David started the year off with the statement, this is us, and who we are for such a time as this. And um, in his uh, presentation of that, David described us as being Bible-believing and spirit-filled, yeah, I know, and kingdom-advancing, Bible-believing, spirit-filled, kingdom-advancing, and um, just, just to define really what's in our DNA, what we're about, um, what makes us who we are, and one of the things that I would love for us to explore together today are the, are the gifts of Christ to the church, the Ephesians 4 gifts, and to talk about they are very much part of who we are. They're part of our identity, they're part of what we believe God has in store, not just for Living Rock Church, but for the whole church through these gifts of Christ. And Christ is incredibly generous. So we're going to um, turn in our Bibles to Ephesians. We're going to be dotting around mainly in Ephesians and Corinthians this morning. And the first verse that we're going to look at, Ephesians 4, 7 to 13, is going to be up on the screen. And uh, we'll just read through these. And then I'd, I'd like you to turn up some verses with me as we go. But just says this, however, this is Paul writing. He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. There's a lot to take in there, isn't there? So I'm going to give the next two and a half hours to looking at the scripture. No, I always do that joke, sorry. But it talks about, so I have a little question for us to start with. Would you say that as a church here, or the church in general, would you believe that the body of Christ is in perfect unity of faith at the moment? There's a little way to go. A little bit. Would you say that the church as a whole has the full knowledge of God's Son? Would you say that we've attained the full and complete standard measure of Jesus Christ yet? That's not being too harsh, is it? I mean, these are very high standards. But we're not there yet. And what I love about these verses is it says that these gifts will continue and they'll continue to work until, this will continue until we come to that state. So I would say this, I believe all of these gifts are necessary and are alive and are working into the church until we reach that place. Therefore, all five gifts are alive and well and relevant and needed now. So I have a little test for you, and you might want to do this with the person next to you, so that if you get it wrong, you can both feel bad rather than just you feeling bad, okay? But if you get it right, you can celebrate together. So it's always nice to celebrate a victory with somebody else. So 
We've got five gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. In the New Testament, all of these gifts are mentioned. And I would like you, with your partner or your friend, or just by yourself, if you're up for it, is to put them in the order of most mentioned to least mentioned. So in the New Testament, where are these specific gifts mentioned as tasks, as, 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 specific, as names, nouns, named ministries in the New Testament? Where, how many times do we see teacher, apostle, evangelist, pastor, and prophet? And I'd like you to do an order of most mentioned to least mentioned. So we just want to top that up with your, with your friend, maybe write it down. Most to least. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for a show of hands just to see who's still in the game as we work our way down the list. The most mentioned, and I've been strict here to the specific words used in, in these verses. So there's, there's a number of words for teacher, but I've just used the, the one word that's used in the New Testament, in, in this part of scripture, which is didaskalos. I'll just check that with Chris. Um, so the most mentioned is apostle. So raise your hand if you had apostle as number one. Okay, all right. Keep your hands up, please, if you've got apostle. The next one was teacher. So if you've got teacher as your second, keep your hand up. Then prophet. Then evangelist. And then last of all, pastor. Okay, so the word apostle... Apostolos is used 80 times to, to name a, 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 the use of that name, the noun, apostle, 80 times. Teacher, 59 times. Prophet, 20 times when referring to prophets, individuals. Okay, so that's about 159 of those times they're mentioned. Evangelist, three times. Evangelist is mentioned three times. Philip is referred to as an evangelist, and Timothy is told to do the work of an evangelist, and that's about it. And pastor is mentioned once, and it's mentioned once in Ephesians 4.11. The, the, the title shepherd, pastor, is only mentioned once. Which title is used most in the church? Pastor. Now, I have no problem with that, because I am one, okay? But... but we can't, we, what we must be careful of is we don't dismiss all of the other gifts because actually they're mentioned a lot more than the little old pastor. Now you see, you're not little or old, Rich, you just, never mind. So we're going to look at these verses. So if you could just turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12 for a second, and we're just going to um, look at some of these gifts where they're mentioned elsewhere. Obviously, pastor's had its, had its day in the sun already. Um, but 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 28. And just as we talk about these gifts, consider the context that the gifts are talked about. So 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 28. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We've heard that this morning, haven't we? That we're part of Christ's body. Each one of us is a part. And here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. So Paul mentions a whole bunch of things, but he numbers one, two, and three. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And he talks about a functional order in how these gifts, how these ministries help the church and are given to the church. 
And then if you jump into Ephesians, we're going to move our way through the book of Ephesians, from Ephesians 2 to 3 and then back to 4. So if you could just turn forward in your Bibles a little bit to Ephesians 2. And again, think about the context. This is all Paul writing. He says, together we are his house. Oh, sorry, Ephesians 2.20, good point. All the prophets knew where that was, but everybody else has got to. <laughs> and the teachers. Ephesians 2.20, together we are his house built on the foundation of who? Apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And then jump forward a chapter to Ephesians 3, 4 to 6, please. And Paul goes on, he says, as you read what I have written, you'll understand my insight into this plan concerning Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his apostles and prophets and this is the plan both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children both are part of the same body and enjoy the same enjoy the promise sorry of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus and then back to this verse Ephesians 4 7 to 13 these gifts are given to the church gifts of Christ to the church 1 Corinthians 12 says that they're gifts from God to the church and Ephesians 4 says that they're gifts from Christ to the church so from the Godhead there are these gifts and the gifts of Christ are here to represent Christ what are the gifts of Christ well it's more like who are the gifts of Christ they are people the gifts of Christ to the church are people they are men and women who help the church grow to become who Jesus is to represent Jesus the gifts are people and they're there for the church they're there for the body to make the body knitted together. They're there for the family, to make the family feel together. They're there for the bride to prepare her and make her beautiful. They're there for the army to make it strong and galvanized. And they're there for the house to make sure that it's built so that God can fill it with his Holy Spirit. The presence of God among his people has always been God's heart. It's about building the house. It's about building the church. In 2010, Sarah and I, we had an extension built in our house, growing family, growing house so we built an extension and, and of course the first thing you do when you build an extension or any property is you get in an architect you don't just have a load of builders rock up on day one and just start throwing stuff down an architect comes and and pulls together all of the pattern and puts a blueprint together of exactly what's needed where everything's to go they've got the design in mind they've got the structure in mind they've got utility in mind all of these things in mind and they put the blueprint together has anybody started a building project without a plan be crazy. Jesus says you'd never do that. And so they come and they bring, bring the, the, the blueprint. And that's exactly what apostles do. They, they have an, an idea, they have a vision for what the church is to look like, how it's to be built. And then once the work starts, there's a four person. A four, in, our, in our situation, Sarah was the four woman. <laughs> and she would keep an eye that everything was going up exactly as we'd planned and the architect had drawn wasn't letting anybody get away with anything if it wasn't. Checked the footings were in place, made sure the walls started going up straight. And, and, and so with an idea of the vision, she was there with her plumb line every morning. You know what she's like, spirit level in her back pocket, ready to whip it out in a minute. But, but the prophet comes and the prophet knows what the apostle is looking to build. And the, the, the prophet looks at how it's coming up and brings a bit of direction and brings the plumb line to say, this is a little bit off. This just needs a bit of adjustment. Make sure you do this bit next. 
and bring some immediate steps that are helpful to reach the ultimate goal and vision. And then as these started to come together, the builder started to bring in all of the bricks to form the structure. And without the bricks, there's no house. And an evangelist is the same. Evangelist goes and starts to gather and bring in, not bricks, but living stones. And those living stones are brought to the site and they start to get fitted together. They start to get cemented together. That's what the evangelist does. He goes and and reaches out to those outside to bring them in, to build the house. And then the plumber comes and comes to to put in the gas and the central heating and, and the fresh water and sewage. And that's like the pastor. The pastor wants to bring in stuff to to water the house, wants to make sure there's fresh water and also that the dirty stuff gets washed away and that everybody's lovely and warm. And then the electrician came. I was going to do a shout out. You did it yourself. That's fine. Thanks, Parker. And sure enough, as soon as there's there's illumination in the house, lights go on everywhere, and you can see all of the the infrastructure of the house and all of its beauty, and you can see where you're going and everything's clear. That's the teacher. The teacher comes and brings illumination into the house, and all of them are needed. Could you imagine the plumber coming in and saying, I'm here to do the electrics? That'd be a nightmare. Or the architect to say, I'm going to wire it all together. You're all in for a shock. It's not going to happen. And in the same way, the body needs to be the body and ministries need to minister. You're going to get yourself in trouble if you get a prophet to pastor. You're going to get in trouble if you get a teacher to be evangelistic. Now, it's not to say that there aren't some mixture of these gifts in different people, but that these gifts are really important and they help one another to build the house. We need these gifts. No gift is, in, is to work in isolation. Everyone needs the other, and they're to be released to do that. And Paul is a wonderful example of, of how a gift is sort of emerges, if you like. You know, Paul is, meets Jesus, isn't he, on the road to Damascus in Acts 9. And then he has three days in the dark, sitting, while God shows him everything that's going to come his way. And then God speaks to him and tells him about what's next. And Ananias comes and prays for him and baptizes him in water. And off Paul goes for another what is it, 10 years or so in Arabia, 14 years, ask a teacher. And then he comes back onto the scene and in Acts 3, he's amongst the prophets and teachers that meet together in Antioch, Acts 13, in Antioch. And in that place, as they pray together, two people are set apart and sent out to be apostles, Paul and Barnabas. And Paul describes himself as an apostle and a teacher in 2 Timothy 1.11. He was a teacher who then is recognized as an apostle. Here's the amazing thing. Paul was always an apostle. They just, he'd always been called. There was just a point in his life where he suddenly grew to the level where he was ready and other people recognized him and they prayed for him, they sent him, and he was effective. And that's how these gifts come. Paul didn't turn up at a meeting saying, now it's time to make me an apostle or I'm out to here. No. In the context of praying together, other ministries looked at Paul and the Holy Spirit began to show them and Barnabas, these are apostles. It's time for them to start apostling. Time to release them to do that and off they went. And there's this beautiful picture of these gifts working together, recognizing gifts amongst one another and seeing the church grow as a result. And so I'd like us just to look at each gift and I'm mainly going to look at apostles and prophets this morning and skip through the others. But if you could put the next slide up of apostles 
and the next one again. Because all of these gifts, our identity in every, in every one of us, whatever we're good at or not, whether that's from the Holy Spirit or naturally able or whatever it is, our identity isn't in what we're good at or our gifts. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. That's, right. exactly. that's what that tree picture was all about. We're, 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 we're tied into him. That's where our identity lies. And in fact, all of these gifts, because they're gifts of Christ, are all things that Jesus himself excelled at. <laughs> Jesus is the first and ultimate apostle. Jesus is the messenger. In John 13, uh, 13, 16, he says, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is a messenger or apostle more important than the one who sends the message. And he was the messenger sent by the Father. And then as he's elevated, he's the one who sends messengers, his apostles, out into the world to, to, to bring the message of good news, to bring a heavenly message into the earth and to transform the earth, to bring heaven to earth. Hebrews 3.1 the writer to Hebrews says, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's apostle, God's messenger and high priest. And here's what Jesus says about himself in Matthew 16. I'm going to build my church. He knows exactly what the church is going to look like. He has the perfect blueprint and vision for what the church is to be. And then Jesus commissioned other apostles. The 12 disciples that then became 11 that then got bumped back up to 12 again when Matthias was added to them. And then later on, we see Paul and we see other individuals like Apollos and Barnabas and James and Silvanus and Timothy, all referred to as apostles in the New Testament. And their job is to build up the church, to see churches planted. And, and I've got some Ps. The first one is a pioneer. An apostle is a pioneer. Do you remember that? 1 Corinthians 12 verse, first apostles. There's a functional order and there's something about apostles that they just can't help but want to express something in a new place. They want to push out. They want to expand. Listen to these words from Romans 15, 20 to 21. This is an apostle's heart. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. That's my ambition. What's your ambition, Paul? To preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I want to break new ground. I want to be a pioneer. I want to see something new established. There isn't an expression of the kingdom of God. There's not a kingdom community in this village or in this town or in this street. I really want to see that. And so we're going to push into there. We're going to start to plant something in there. We're going to start to establish something in there. They're pioneers and they can't stop. They're powerhouses. We put the next one up. They're, they're pure. They're, they're humble. But there's something where they ex exhibit the power of Jesus whether that's healing or baptism in the spirit, whether it's casting out demons, resurrection, and all sorts of other aspects and revelation of the power of God on display. We see this power on show constantly through acts. They're pioneers, they're powerhouses, and they're planners. Remember that description of the architect. You can't build something if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a blueprint. Paul describes himself as the master builder or master architect in 1 Corinthians 3.10. To lay the foundations and to set the vision for the long term. And part of that means putting in elders that will help to keep things in order and continue things to be built. They're pioneers, they're powerhouses, they're planners, and they're protectors. Time and again, once they've brought in truth, once they've brought in good, sound, biblical teaching and doctrine, they're like, don't lose sight of this. Hold on to this. Yes, there's more for us, but don't let go of what's already been brought. Yeah. Don't let go of the truth. 
Or so many of the New Testament letters by Peter and Jude and Paul are all about that. Hold on to the truth. Paul says, even if an angel comes and preaches a different gospel, don't believe it. The one I taught you. Continue to hold on to those mysteries, those truths that I've revealed to you. He writes to Chloe in, in 1 Corinthians 7 and he says, now regarding these questions you've asked in your letter, here's some truth. Here's some practical application. He says, I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll bring some other things and, and address some other matters after I arrive and bring you instructions then in 1 Corinthians 11, 28. Pioneers, powerhouses, planners, protectors, and they're paternal. There's something very fatherly about an apostle. Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4, 15. He says, for even if you have 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. It's like Paul said, I I was part of the birth of this church. In fact, later on, he says, we came to you and we were like mothers caring for their children. It's not just paternal, it's parental. But when we talk about paternal, do you know it removes all kind of organizational, structural, hierarchical, business. It's about relationship. It's about family. It's about fathers and families and building something that is, um, that's, that's glorious, that's relational and must be joined with other apostles and with other prophets and other ministries, as we've mentioned, never in isolation. And, you know, James was kind of called to be a, uh, an apostle in Jerusalem. Paul went over, all over the place preaching to Gentiles. Peter went all over the place preaching to Jews. Barnabas was an expert encourager. Apollos seemed to be a very good teacher And Paul was a planter and a teacher. So different apostles have different types of gifts within them, things that they're good at and areas that they're meant to reach. But that's why we need to work together. That's why they need to work together. And apostles keep us looking up. They give us a heavenly picture of what the church is to be. Because we can look at the church sometimes and think, not quite going so well. And the apostle says, no, but look what I've seen. Look what you're to be. I've got some mug shots of some apostles up on the screen just to help us, and uh, mugshots, not a very nice description, is it? Um, you're all looking for some cups then, aren't you? So top left, that's David, those who know David Lyon, handed the apostolic care of this church and churches in Kenya in 2018 by Kerry, and the evidence of David's apostolic ministry is all over this church. David is all about foundations. That's why he wrote Rock Solid. It's a book about our personal foundations. That's why David is passionate about teaching belonging. That's our corporate foundations. David is pains over every one of us having solid foundations. David, does, David wants each one of us to be strong individually and together so that we can thrive and flourish. That's David's heart. But it's much more than that. It's, it's also so that we can also reach out to the world around us because David's heart is also for mission. There's that pioneer element, the planning element, the pioneering element. And for us, we, we've been so blessed to have that care. And, and David is, is a father to us as elders. Um, we look up to David as our father. And David expresses teamwork and friendship and champions those things above anything else, over personal gain or success. And there are so many attributes to David that I so am blessed about as, be, as him being the apostle to us in this church. And on behalf of the elders, we're so blessed Absolutely. to have you functioning that way towards us. Absolutely. And there's, there's others. Kerry there in the middle on the bottom row and his brother Bryn. 
Bryn and Kerry Jones have invested so much into what this church is now. They are foundations that David has, would have grown under and, and come under. And Kerry there in the middle passed the baton on to David to look after here. But David and Kerry still work together in partnership as apostles. And work together with, um, particularly with Nurolf Askeland in the top right there, who's a prophet um, from Norway but works over into the Philippines and Asia. And I would say that David and Kerry there at the bottom and Nurov work very closely together and continue to do so and are keen to keep doing so, which is such a blessing for us. Wonderful um, brothers in the faith who've passed away, uh, Brian and Bryn, but again, have been amazing in, in establishing and showing us what apostles are like, who they are. Yes. Brian shut there in uh, third along. And then we have, I've just put Terry Virgo in because again, another amazing apostle who ministers and ministered with Bryn and Kerry. It's not just about our sort of sphere of churches. There are many churches that have wonderful apostolic ministries that are there to build up the church. And then Steve Wilkins, a friend of mine in the middle with a glorious beard. Um, he is an apostle over in Canada and I just wanted you to see his beard really. It's amazing. <laughs> but he works into Canada and, and also into Cuba as well. So. And, and there are, there's another apostle I've not put up that we do work closely with but because this will go public, but his work is into different parts of Asia and India where there are thousands of churches that he's building, but the persecution there in various states and regions of India would make it unwise for us to publicize that. But also there are other apostolic gifts that we work really closely with. Across the globe, isn't that wonderful? So the apostle and then the prophet. We are not a non-profit organization. Oh, come on. The prophet. Jesus, of course, is the ultimate prophet. A woman at the well notices that. Surely, sir, you're a prophet. Jesus says of himself, prophet isn't welcome in his own town. Isn't recognized in his own town. He's the Alpha and the Omega, so he definitely knows what's coming. He's the ultimate prophet. Um, and prophets are there to help bring that immediate direction to the church. And because of that, they are pointers. Prophets are pointers. They bring that direction in the immediate they say, this is the next step to take. This is what God is saying to the church now. This is what we should give ourselves to. And it's always in line with the big picture of apostolic vision. They're never separate from each other. And it helps to move us towards where the apostle sees things. They're the pointers. And with that, they predict. So there's the next one, the predictors. In your Bibles, if you just quickly flip to Acts 11. Just want to show you that, uh, you know, there's some, some of this is actually in our Bibles. But all of it's in our Bibles. Well, Steve Wilkins isn't in our Bibles, but you know what I mean. Acts 11, they are predictors. There's a man called Agabus who's a prophet. He's mentioned twice in the book of Acts. And uh, he's mentioned here in Acts 11. And uh, they're during some time, Acts 11, 27. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. And this prophecy was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. And then jump forward to Acts 21, please. Now we've got some, some, some ministry gifts hanging out. The prophets uh, at the evangelist's house. Agabus is at the house of Philip. Acts 21, 9. And it, Philip has four daughters who have the gift of prophecy. So he has prophetesses in his house. And Agabus, while he's at the house, comes over with a belt and took it from his own, took, it, took a belt, sorry, and bound his own feet and hands with it. And then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. And he's talking to Paul. 
And because prophets are pointers and predictors, they, they bring about two things. They provoke and they prepare. Firstly, provokers. You know, if, in a, if you put the next one up, please. When, when Agabus predicted a famine, what was the provocation to the church? I love that picture, don't you? <laughs> what, was the, what was the instruction to the church? There's going to be a famine. Let's take up an offering. Provoked giving. A practical response. It wasn't just like, oh dear, what a shame. Well, let's hope for the best. It's like, let's take up an offering. It's the same when Joseph has a prophetic picture that he brings to Pharaoh, but he also has a plan for dealing with it. He provokes a response. That might be prayer. It might be giving. It might be movement. When Paul and Barnabas and his friends were with the teachers and prophets in Acts 13 in Antioch, in, 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 yeah, in Antioch, they were sent from there. There was movement because of the prophetic word that came. They provoke and they prepare. You know, one of the key aspects of the ministry of the prophetic gift, the prophetic ministry is to encourage and strengthen the church. Not just tell us where we're getting it wrong. <laughs> Although they might need to bring correction, of course. But it's also to say, and, but you can, we can do this. Here's what God is. This is, what God's, this is who God says you are. This is what God's plan is for you, for the church. And that can be personal, like it was for Paul, or it can be to the church, or you can even have a worldwide view, like it was about the famine in the Roman world. That's the scale and the scope from an individual to a church to the world. But God is revealing something that provokes a response and prepares the saints. And prepares us by doing this, prepares us by comforting us and strengthening us, and encouraging us, and building us up. There's a, a wonderful verse in Acts 15. There's a big council in Jerusalem in Acts 15, and it's all about how much of the law should be imposed on Gentile believers, because the Jews had come to faith, and now the Gentiles were, were brought in. This was particularly evident in Cornelius' home in, in Acts 10 and 11. We see all that described. And then once they've come to this conclusion of what's needed for, for new believers that are not Jewish, what, what, what should be imposed on them? They send prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch, Judas and Silas. And there's this wonderful picture of how in, in Acts 15.32, after they've delivered the message, says this, uh, well, firstly, the, the message brought great joy in Acts uh, 15.31. And then 32 says, then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, now this is not an excuse, okay, Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length. <laughs> but it spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. That's what the prophetic ministry does. And um, I've put some pictures again up on the screen of, of prophetic men and women who have been a great and are a great blessing to us. Uh, Tony Ling, the top left, those of you who know Tony will know, powerful, influential prophet, used the word of God powerfully and used it prophetically. Uh, Dave Shutt there is in Cardiff. Ron Eagle, another wonderful prophet who uh, was a strong word prophet. A lot of the prophetic words he come were based in scripture. And there are words now that dictate our mandate as a church that have come from him, from the 90s, 1990s. Deborah, might know Deborah, but a wonderful prophet, an inspirer. When Deborah prophesies, she brings pictures and images. And yes, it is, it is tied into scripture, but often it's, it's images and pictures and things that you see, isn't it? That you bring and it inspires us and, and shows us things. And I'll still remember some of the words that she's brought to us as an eldership when the new eldership was established about pallets of paints 
mixing the colors, that there was words to us of how we should work together now. It wasn't something sweet by and by in the sky. This is how you're to live now, what you're to do now. Uh, James Topless is up in York. Andrew Eagle, who's a prophet that's based here, and, uh, along with Matthew, they both again be very biblical in the way that they pro- prophesy from scripture. Haley Thompson, and then Steve Doricott, who was with us just a couple of weeks ago from Merthyr, who's traveling. And they love to travel, particularly Steve um, and Matthew, to just encourage the church and strengthen the church. And we're so blessed to, to be joined with them. And when we talk about apostles and prophets being foundational, this is the main chunk of what I want to share today. It says in Ephesians 2.20 that they are foundational. Okay, and there's something about the apostle and the prophet that brings something heavenly, both long-term and immediate, that brings truth and foundation and solid understanding now, but also pushes us forward into what God has for us next. Foundational, those first principles um, of who Jesus is, of who we are in Christ, the work of Christ, the finished work, and and what God is doing among us. And then a revelation, not only of, of what's been revealed, but also of what's ahead, so that we can come into everything that God has for us. And to prepare and train the church, to equip the church. So Ephesians 2.20 says they're foundational. Ephesians 3.5 says they're revelational. And Ephesians 4.11 says that they're equipping the church. The apostle will direct the prophetic in the process of building the house. The apostle will look at the house and he might say, I need this sort of prophet right now to this church because they need to hear this next step. They need to hear it from the word. They need to hear it from an inspired word because they need to see something about how God speaks. This prophet will bring something of this dynamic. This prophet will bring something different. And this is what's needed in this church at this time. And the apostles and the prophets work together in partnership to strengthen the church, to build it up towards, towards where God is taking it. The word of the prophet, the command of the apostle. And I just would like to take a moment and imagine what this church would look like today. Somebody had a good idea? Without the ministry of the apostles and prophets. Imagine what we would be like today without the apostolic vision and without the prophetic instruction. We would be lacking so much. There might be an expression here, but would we have a a long-term vision of, of where God is taking this church? Would we have these next immediate steps where we know this is where God is taking us at the moment? I don't believe we would. The apostles and the prophets work together to strengthen the church. And I'm so blessed and glad, so blessed by Deborah's prophetic input, Andrew's prophetic input, the input that's come over the years from others as well. And that we're part of something far bigger than our local expression. And then just lastly, we're going to look at the evangelists and the pastors and the te- Beautiful feet. That's why, she, that's why they're up there. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of him who brings good news or her. No, Jesus was an ultimate evangelist, wasn't he? Jesus turns up at a well and a whole village of Sychar. There's revival there. Everybody believes in him. He's the ultimate evangelist. And um, Philip, we've referred to as an evangelist. Timothy is told to do the work of an evangelist. And evangelists are charismatic and they're mobile and they're good communicators and they're dynamic and they're winsome. And they are just desperate to see people saved. That's, all they, that's what they want. That's what drives them. It's to see people saved. And uh, I've got some pictures of some of the um, uh, evangelists that have been involved in what we've been doing. So Jonathan Conrath there on the top left. And Tim Jones. 
Anna Skagen, and that's Elise from Norway as well, who was here with the team. And when she was with us, people just got saved around her. She was with us for about a week, Annie, and just people just kept getting saved, didn't they? And Annie was, was equipped and inspired by that. And that's what evangelists do. That's what all the gifts do. They don't just come in and do the job. They equip the church to do the job. They inspire us to be apostolic and prophetic and evangelistic. And again, we're just so blessed. They often move in words of knowledge, in healing, and they just burn with a heart for the world. Simon Gilbo in the room here today is totally given to seeing a nation reached that God has put in his heart and it has driven him to extremes. But that's what God has put on, on Simon's heart, the nation of Burundi, and I'm sure beyond. But that's, that's something that just is placed, in, and he can't help but want to see the, the gospel preached in that nation. And that's, those are evangelists. They are driven. Apostles help us look up. Prophets help us look forward. Apostles help us look out. And then the pastors. Only mentioned once. And... Uh, there he, he looks sorry for himself as well, doesn't he? <laughs> Jesus is, of course, the ultimate pastor, the ultimate shepherd. He, he says, I am the good shepherd. In Hebrews, he's described as the great shepherd. Peter describes him as the arch shepherd, the ultimate shepherd. And Jesus' heart is that God's people are cared for, are shepherded. And we understand what that means. They're nourished, fed, safe, secure, able to look after themselves and one another. That's a pastor's heart, to care for the flock and to water and to strengthen and um, those are some of the pastors that have been recognized. You've got Charles Smith, who's currently over in Leicester, looking after things. But Charles and Sean will be based here, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, much more often, much more present. Beth and T. Erlenbach are pastoral gifts down in Cardiff, and there are others as well. And they, are, again, are there to, to strengthen the church and also other churches that a pastor's reach can be beyond the local church. And to help to care for leaders in other churches and other places. And then lastly, the teacher. See, the pastor helps us to look in where the evangelist helps us to look out. The apostle helps us to look up. The prophet helps us to look forward. And, and the teacher helps us to look clearly, to see really clearly. The, the, the teacher loves to take what's come from the apostle and what's come from the prophet and present it in a really clear an accessible way so that A, we can understand it and B, also we can take it for ourselves as well and learn for ourselves. Jesus is the ultimate teacher. He's described as teacher time and time again, isn't he? You call me teacher, Jesus says, and you're right. <laughs> and the teacher will bring that revelation and make it available to us, make it accessible to us and help us to dig and find the word themselves. They thrive to take those difficult bits of scripture those difficult bits of instruction, and make it plain. That's what teachers love to do, to illuminate. And uh, I've got some pictures of some teachers that we, we, again, are very blessed to work with. So Christopher Alton, who sat there, was a wonderful teaching gift to the church here and beyond. Chris Hamer Hodges in Coventry, Roger Aubrey in Cardiff, Ezekiel Shabemba in Oldham. And again, these gifts are such a blessing to the church, never to work in isolation. So just in closing, we're going to do one little activity and then the, the children are going to come back in and we're going to pray for our youth. But if you could give me a left hand. I've stolen this from Ulf Ekman. The fivefold gifts. And I want you to start with the index finger, the pointer, which is the prophetic. So it's the prophetic that points and shows us where to go next. Brings that direction, the immediate steps of where God is taking us next. Points. It can be a little bit 
pointy sometimes, but that's the point. Be careful with the next gift. The evangelist. The evangelist is the one that reaches out more than any of the others. Always wants to go beyond. Always wants to go further. Always wants to reach out beyond ourselves so that we can bring other people in. And they're constantly going out and out and out. They love to be mobile. They love to be in the field. And they love to help the church to do that. And then the pastor. So I've said left hand because this is the ring finger. The pastor is the one who causes us to love one another, to be committed to one another and to Christ. To Christ and his body. And then we have the teacher, the pinky, as I like to call Chris. <laughs> the one that comes and just straightens, smooths things out. Makes it really clear and plain and, 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 and also gets rid of the wax from the ears as well. <laughs> helps us to hear clearly. And then lastly, the apostle. He's great. <laughs> but the apostle is the one who's foundational with the prophet. The apostle is the one who worked most closely with all of the other ministries will cause those ministries to function in the church in the way that they should and often has aspects of the other ministries within their own ministry and makes the other gifts strong, able to grasp everything that God has for us. And those are the gifts of Christ to the church. And as soon as, I don't know about you, but I'm not keen on losing any of my digits. I want them all on board, firing and working. That's, that's, my, that's my heart for my hand. Just, can, just sharing that with you right now. And why would we want anything else for our church? To be part of a church where all of these gifts are working together so that Jesus is glorified. So that the house that Jesus is building, and David's phrase, building beautiful churches, they're churches where Jesus is at the center, where every believer is built up and sent out and encouraged, living stones carefully joined together and the Holy Spirit fills. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.